Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. We are a church with a mission of inspiring ordinary people to live extraordinary lives for Christ. It really doesn't matter who you are, what you have done, or how you choose to worship. You belong here. We pray that this week's sermon blesses you and that you feel God's presence through it today. So to kick off our new sermon series, I want to ask all of you a a very important question, a question that, that I believe could change your life forever. And that question is this, why Jesus? Why Jesus? Why have you chosen to give your life to following after Christ? Well, to help you try to answer that question for yourself, what I'm going to be doing for the next four weeks is giving you some of the main reasons for why I follow Jesus, with the hope being that as I share my why, you will begin to discover your own why, or why it is that you choose to follow Jesus. Now, to help you understand um, one of the most important reasons for why I choose Jesus, I need to walk you through part of my faith journey to give you a sense of how Jesus showed up in my life. So in my early life, um, church faith, uh, none of that was a big deal. It wasn't something I thought about. It wasn't on the radar. I mean, sure, mom would drop us off at VBSs around town from time to time. But for the most part, it just it wasn't there. It wasn't a part of what we did every day. Then as I got started into grade school, I believe my mom to at least give my brother and I a sense of the basics, sent us to Sunday school at the Presbyterian Church in Alva, Oklahoma. But that that was it, right? Friends would come and get us, take us to Sunday school, and as soon as Sunday school was over, mom would pick us up afterwards. So very rarely did we ever go to church. And to be honest, we really didn't want to go to church in the first place because at that time, um, what church was, was the longest hour that had ever been created on earth. Anybody else know that feeling? Yeah, sorry about that. It's a little harder up here than you think. I'm just going to let you know that deal. Um, And so it just wasn't a big part of what we did. But even though all of that is true, and even though it wasn't this huge part of my life, I do remember while sitting in Sunday school class on a couple of different occasions sensing there's something way bigger going on here. Now fast forward with me to the junior high years. Everybody remembers those wonderful years, right? Everybody wants to go back to that time of craziness. (laughs) And again, at that time, faith in God and all that stuff were not a part of my life. That is until the seventh grade, one of my coaches, Mr. Evans, I'll never forget Mr. Evans, he invited me to attend this thing called FCA. And I didn't know what it was at the time, but it's Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And the way he described this group to me is about an hour long. There were some snacks, and you play some sports. And then for about 10 minutes at the very end, they do a kind of devotional, right? So I thought to myself, well, I like snacks, and I love to play sports, and I can just tune out the stuff at the end, so why not give it a try? I mean, I am in junior high. It's not like I got anything else going on, right? Or to to really give you a sense of what sold me on FCA, if I get really honest with you guys, It was the girls. (laughs) Because in junior high, there wasn't much I wouldn't do to spend some time with those strange yet beautiful creatures. (laughs) But, but, um, that's now coming back to haunt me. Because I now have a daughter in junior high. um, And I want you guys to tell everybody this. 
I am not afraid to spend some time in prison <laughs> for taking out one of those uh, boys. I know how they think. I will take them out. So tell everybody you know, especially someone who's about 13, 14 years old, they will go down. Anyway, I digress. I digress. So what happened to me is I started to go uh, to FCA and, and got involved in all that kind of stuff. And I actually started listening to what they had to say about this Jesus guy. And how in some way Jesus was not just a human, but God putting on flesh and blood to walk among us. Like I experienced in Sunday school as a kid, but even more so. I started to feel this pull, this call, that there was something more going on here. Or, or that these people were not just crazy religious fanatics, but might actually be onto something. So in response to that pull, that longing that I started to feel more and more, I decided to do some searching for myself. I decided to see it with my own eyes. And so what I did to get to the bottom of all of this is I went to the source, right? I went to the Bible. And in particular, I went and read everything that book had to say about Jesus because he's the one who fascinated me, right? Or his stories are the ones that, that did something on the inside of me that seemed to be opening me up to something that is way bigger than myself. And that's what I did, right? I continued to go to FCA and get, got more and more involved in that. And, but what I did mostly was I made it a point every single night to read the stories of Jesus, now, I wish I could tell you that as soon as I started reading the Gospels, everything changed for me, or that something happened overnight and I stopped all my not-so-good extracurricular activities, but that's not how it happened for me. No, for me, I still went out and did all those things that high school boys and, and junior high boys do who think they're cool, but even though that was the case, it didn't matter what I did that night, what kind of state of mind I was in when I got home, I took 10 to 15 minutes to read about Jesus before I went to bed. And what happened to me is I continued to practice this habit, or as I continued to devote myself to chasing after this burn, which at this point just wouldn't let me go, is that this God who before that point just seemed to be this huge, distant, unattached presence started to become a bit more understandable or a bit more real in and through the life of Jesus. Or to put this experience into perspective for you, I want you to think about standing on a beach looking out over the vastness of the ocean. Toes in the sand, right? You can feel the waves at your feet. And you look out over that expanse and it takes your breath away. How small are you? And you try to take it all in, right? You're looking, you're trying to take it all in, but somehow it's too much, it's too big. You can't get your brain around it. And then, and then, going to a globe, going to a map, and all of a sudden, at least in part, you're able to kind of get your brain around the reality of this huge, vast ocean, which is 80% of this rock that we inhabit. Well, that's kind of what started to happen to me as I began to read the Gospels, and that Jesus took the one who created all of this in all of its mind-boggling complexity and beauty, and he showed him to me in a way that I could understand, a way I could relate to. Another way I make sense of this same experience is it's kind of like going to the eye doctor, in that for those of us who can't see very well, anybody else uh, visually impaired? Right? 45 these days, rocking bifocals. I can't even see if you're there at this point when I take my glasses off. Right? So, 
for those of us who can't see very well, we, we go and, and they put that machine in front of us and everything starts looking fuzzy at first. But then what happens is the eye doctor begins to scroll through the different lenses, right? It's like little by little, those, those once fuzzy blobs begin to take shape and form until finally everything comes into focus. Well, that's what started to happen to me the more and more I studied and read about Jesus and that Jesus brought God into perspective. Jesus made God come into focus. And even though I didn't know it at the time, right? When you read scripture, you will find out that that, in one important sense, is exactly what Jesus came to do. John 1, 1 and 1, 14 explains it in this way. In the beginning was the Word, and Word and Jesus here interchangeable. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1.18 says this, No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father. He has made him known. But my favorite is Colossians 2.9 because it just makes it really, really clear. For in him, for in Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Jesus shows us God in a way that we can handle and these are just a few of the hundreds of verses that you'll find throughout the New Testament that point to and reveal that this is why Jesus came into the world. He came to show us God. He came to reveal God to us in a way that matters, in a way that we can make sense of. But then, to push this idea even further, not only did I find that Jesus brought God into focus, but I think most importantly, it was the kind of God that Jesus revealed to me that really blew me away, that really sold me on this God. For example, in the Christmas story, which, by the way, is the first thing you start reading when you open up the New Testament and start reading in Matthew. The picture Jesus gives us about who God is is that God is not some distant, unattached being who, who doesn't care about us, who doesn't care about the world, but instead is the kind of God who loves us so much that he stepped down out of his existence to chase after us, to become one of us, to meet us where we are. What? There's a God who does that? Jesus also reveals that this God is not some kind of angry or vengeful being who has given these commands to follow or else. Or is this God that's just sitting up there waiting for us to mess up so we can rain down his wrath, but instead is a God who longs to live in relationship with every single one of us. A God who came into the world to offer forgiveness and freedom from our sins so that we can walk in a newness of life. The story that comes to my mind when I think of God's forgiveness is when Jesus and his disciples ha have gathered together to eat with a bunch of tax collectors and sinners. And you guys know who tax collectors and sinners are, right? The, the best translation I can give you today is scumbags. <laughs> and, and this is what happens. When the scribes and Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why does he eat with these scumbags? When Jesus heard this, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. Did you hear that? I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. The point being that God didn't show up into the world to judge and condemn, but to forgive and save, which is made even clearer as Jesus is hanging from the cross at the very end of his life when he says these words to the very people who are putting him to death. Father, 
forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Right? So we have a picture of a God who is chasing after us, who became one of us to meet us where we are, a God who wants to forgive us and live in relationship with us? What? How amazing is that? Then as we push on through the many exorcisms Jesus performs, we find that this God does, does not deny the fact that something has gone horribly wrong in this world or that sin and death aren't wrecking havoc in our lives and in the world, but a God who sees that evil clearly, calls it out, and then devotes himself to taking it on and overcoming it. For example, Mark 1, 23 through 26 explains, Now there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone! What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet, come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. So as you can see, something has gone horribly wrong in this man's life. Some kind of evil has taken over, and what Jesus does is he doesn't deny it. He doesn't run from this evil. He doesn't say this is the, world, the way the world's supposed to be. No, he faces it head on. He calls it out. And then ultimately overcomes it, setting this man free. Then you get to the stories of healing, right? And what Jesus is doing is basically the exact same thing. He takes things that are broken. He offers healing. He fixes that brokenness so that people can be set free. Jesus went to every town and village. He taught in their meeting places and preached the good news about God's kingdom. Jesus also healed every kind of sickness and disease. Come on now. How amazing is this God? Right? He wants to live in relationship with us. He is chasing after us. He doesn't want to judge and condemn. He wants to forgive us and set us free so we can live into a relationship with him. And when things get bad, what does he want? He wants to walk us through that, to face it head on so that we can be set free. Man, if you don't want a God like that, you're in the wrong place. That is absolutely amazing. And by the way, it is something that, that had never been seen in the history of the world up to that point. We're going to get more into that next week. But this is, this is a revolutionary idea, understanding of God at this time. But the thing that really convinced me to say yes to following Jesus were his teachings. Because in and through them, what I have found and continue to find in deeper and deeper ways is what I believe to be godly Wisdom, or wisdom that reveals to me not only how to be saved and live into relationship with God, but wisdom that, that teaches me daily how to live my best possible life. And of course, to really get into the teachings of Jesus means we will be here all afternoon, maybe for the next couple of weeks. And let's be honest, you guys are like, all right, you've gone a little bit too long, let's wrap this up, right? <laughs> let's just be honest, let's be honest where we're at. So to, to give you just a taste of this divine wisdom and how it could actually heal this divide in our country in a moment if we would just listen and obey? Luke 6.42 says this. How can you say to your neighbor, friend, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself do not see the log in your own eye? You hypocrite! 
First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. Or imagine if we as the American people spent our time not pointing out all the faults of others, which we're really, really good at doing and really, really good at yelling at others, right? And instead spent our time dealing with our own sins. In my estimation, this living would not only quiet down the relentless back and forth of American public discord that I think we're all tired of, but I also think it would humble all of us to see just how many logs we have in our own lives. Or what I find when I do some retrospection is that um, I have enough logs in my own eyes to deal with that I don't have any time to deal with anybody else's stuff. And so I want that mercy and grace from God when I'm dealing with that. I need to give that to other people as well. And that's wisdom that Jesus spoke 2,000 years ago that's just as powerful and life-changing today as it was in his time and place. And that's only the, the tip of the iceberg when it comes to this inspired wisdom that you will come flowing from the mouth of Jesus every single time he speaks. And it's amazing. So hopefully what you can now see is one of the most important ways that I go about answering the question, why Jesus? It's because for me, Jesus reveals God. Or in and through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, I encounter the one who created all of this in flesh and blood. Or Jesus showed me God in a way that I can get my brain around. And the God that I have found in and through Jesus is so amazing, is so awe-inspiring, is so incredible, that it's without hesitation, every single day of my life, to the best of my ability, I choose to follow the way of Jesus. Which then finally begs the question of all of you, right? Why Jesus? Why have you chosen to follow? And please know my goal is not to give you my why. You've got to wrestle with that yourself. I want to help you discover why it is that you follow Jesus. So again, I ask, and this is what I'm going to ask for the next four weeks. Why Jesus, answer this question, wrestle with this question, and it'll change your life forever. Let us pray. Father, we come to you uh, this morning with that question on our mind. Why do we follow you? Was it, what is it about you that, that calls us to give our lives to you? So what I pray for everybody as they go out this week, Lord, is, is that becomes the question they wrestle with. As they're out doing their work, as they're out just dealing with life, that question will pop up over and over again and help them begin to wrestle. Because I think what they'll discover there, what I've discovered there, is the meaning of my life, my purpose. I found joy in life. And that's what I want for all of them too, Lord. So help us to wrestle with this question so we can be transformed forever. We ask this all in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon, and we hope you are able to join us next week. To learn more about FCC Great Bend, visit us online at firstchristianchurchgb.com. Again, that's firstchristianchurchgb.com. God bless and have a great week.